Hello and welcome to the Justice and Coffee podcast. My name is Bryn Frere-Smith and this week I've got Julia Immanen on the show. Julia is the head of partnerships at the anti-trafficking organisation Justice and Care. She spent 12 years of her career working for Sky Sports TV. And back in 2012 she climbed into a boat with four other ladies and rowed across the Atlantic Ocean, breaking two world records in the process. Julia is a friend. She is a firecracker. She was the first person I thought about getting on the show. And I'm excited for you to find out more about her. So here she is in episode one of the Justice and Coffee podcast. Julia! <laughs> friend! How are you? I am so well. I'm you... thrilled to be here well, with I'm you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. Today is our very first podcast. You're aware yes, of that, right? I am. I'm so excited. I'm very honoured. You should be. Thank you. I think. But my mind went straight to you and I thought, okay, let's do this. Let's go for, let's make a podcast, right? Everyone's making a podcast. We can, why can't we do that, right? Yes. My first thoughts were, who am I going to bring on the maiden voyage? <laughs> um, I make that nautical reference. Well done. For a reason Ba-bum. that will come up later. <laughs> And of course, I, I thought of you and you're looking particularly brown and radiant and lovely. I didn't row over back from Spain, I have to say. I, I safely got a plane, but yes, hot off the plane from Spain. So you've Spain. been in Spain. How long have, were you away for? Just for a week. It was just glorious. To, we oh. all live such busy lives, so it was gorgeous just to go and catch some rays. And Actually, I was very healthy. Didn't have a dessert. Didn't I, I ran every morning. What? Yes. Healthy girl over here. You ran this morning as well. I did right? too. <laughs> oh, I hate sitting next to people like you. I feel so awful. Why are you throwing up at 2.30 in the morning? Yeah, throwing up is 50% of what I was doing at 2.30 oh in the morning. Oh, yeah, both. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh both yeah. ends, people. Well, now, don't, t- don't tune out now. <laughs> but I'm glad that you brought that up. Because <laughs> obviously I preferred to keep that between us, but now we can share it, share it with the listeners. Yeah, it was one of those awful moments where you're... You start having like a slightly uncomfortable dream, you know, and you're like, hmm, is this, this, going, people? this is weird. And then you sort of come round for your dream and like a bead of sweat forms at mm. the top of your forehead and you start wriggling around <laughs> in your bed and you think, oh, no, I think I need to go to the toilet. And Uh-oh. there's that there's that shelf of that in your belly, which is like piled up with books. And then suddenly the shelf collapses and you're like, I've got to go now. It was, um, oh, it was one of those. Yeah, that doesn't. I mean, I, d- I hope I'm people not... stay tuning in now. We're sort this of diving what into you've got all to this expect. stuff. Yeah, fast forward to episode three or four, <laughs> and, and we'll, 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 we won't be talking about such childish things. But you know good. that. Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm still sort of recovering. I don't suffer from that very often, especially when I'm in the country. But yeah, what was that about? I went out for dinner last night. And I had a, and I had a fiery zinger chicken burger style. There you thing. go. There you go. I think that might be the culprit. I had some spice, spicy jalapenos <laughs> on holiday <laughs> and I kind of knew about it the next Did that day, affect so you as well? Look, we're going to go into details of some stuff today. Let's be we? real. Let's, Let's be, real. be real with each other. Got I it. read your book. Yeah. And you were very real in that as well. Yeah. There were many references to the, the sort of <laughs> Bucket thing. and jacket yeah. and <laughs> food and yeah, throwing all, up. All of that stuff was in there. So yeah. look, this is, this is how it is. Come on, let's... But do you know, we actually... Um, you, you messaged me a few times this week saying, you know, various funny sort of bits in the book or whatever. Yeah. And 
Um, I just think, you know what, we impress with our strengths, but we connect through our vulnerabilities. Yeah. And it's just so easy to sort of say the things, the sort of good things. But it, it's the real stuff, isn't it, that connects with people? I think so. so. Yeah. I think so. I always find that a far more attractive quality in someone that is humble and self-effacing than particularly, you know. Got it all together. Yeah, Who likes yeah, those anyway? Yeah, yeah. You know. I agree. Life's not all what it looks like on Instagram, is it? <laughs> that is so profound. <laughs> Julia, the podcast is called People Talking Justice yes. Over Coffee. So I wanted to open up and just talk coffee with you for a second. Awesome. Well, we're in a coffee shop. Yeah. We're relaxed. We're yeah. catching up. We've got loads to talk about, apparently. Yeah. Um, what, what What can I get you? I'm going to go and get, get us a coffee. What's, what's your order? <laughs> okay. You're going to actually hate me. You know this already. But you know when people say, oh, tell us something we don't know about you, I always sort of say two things that have people in shock horror. One is that I don't wear deodorant. Hmm. Never. I don't smell people. Don't worry. Can I don't smell, do I? Not from this distance. Okay, good. Right. Great. And then the other thing, which you're obviously not too impressed about, is that I've never had a cup of coffee in my whole life. Oh. Which is horrendous for the man <laughs> who has founded a, a coffee company. But, but if I did drink coffee, Bryn, it would be blue bear it coffee. It would come with a blue bear label It's on it. just, I must have a child's palate. I don't really drink wine. I, yeah, I'm just not good with coffee i've had three sips tried loads of sugar loads of coffee uh, what's it called a uh, milk or frothy and all different stuff <laughs> but it, it stuff, just yeah. the white stuff yeah. but it just doesn't do it for me it's just too bitter yes. but maybe but if you were to yeah. order me a coffee it would absolutely would be it, blue would it violently <laughs> i've sat in front of a cafetiere full of Brazilian blue bear. Okay, coffee. why don't you pour it and I will have a sip. Have a sip. I'll pour you a really Because tiny... I'm passionate about justice. Correct. And I'm passionate about blue bear and I'm passionate about freedom. I will take probably my sixth sip in my whole life. And this, this is, is black. This is well, it doesn't look too dark actually. I like it. See, it smells gorgeous. Yeah, of course. But let me try it. Of course. I think people are tempted sometimes to throw way too much milk Brin, into their coffee. Oh. Can I tell you? <gasps> actually quite it's good delicious isn't it it's considering i i mean it's just the after bitter taste but i yeah. do actually wow yeah well there are different like types it. of coffee and you can get really fruity really vibrant fruity ones that are almost mm. like hot juices you know i'm shocked i actually i think that's quite light it's not too heavy oh wow yeah anyway yeah. <laughs> and i love the blue bo uh, blue bear coffee keep cup yeah, Love that. Yeah, have you not got one yet? No, I'll nick this one. Yeah, it's well about time you did. <laughs> Julia, I want to find out in the next 30 odd minutes a little bit about you yep. and your journey to, to getting where you are now, why we're in a recording studio in central London talking about the issues of justice and how they're attached to your life. So tell me now, what, what, what's your life? What's, what's your job and, and how yep. do you pursue that issue of justice yeah. in your everyday life? Yeah, I mean, rewinding back probably like 12, 13 years ago. I'm ashamed to say I lived very much for me, myself and I. I was the girl who cared more about shoes and handbags, frankly, than I did about charity or making the world a better place or helping other people's lives, let alone, you know, helping slaves become free. Mm. Um, and then I one day just went to the cinema one Saturday night, went to watch this film Taken. Everyone knows that I hate scary movies, jumpy movies, don't even bother inviting me. And I kind of went not quite knowing what I was going to watch. And lo and behold, I sat there in horror as I watched Liam Neeson's daughter 
taken and sold into sex slavery. Yeah. Um, I sat there in, yeah, in horror. My jaw was on the floor and I, I just walked out of there disturbed, just thought that's a Hollywood horror sort of awful film. Was disturbed for a few weeks, but just got on with sort of life as normal. And then a few months later, I was at a conference and heard this whole presentation all about human trafficking and realised that, wow, everything in that film was true and worse. And at that time, they estimated there was 27 million people in slavery. And actually today, the more accurate figure is 40 million. And I just thought, what on earth does little old me, little, you know, little girl from Sunny Slough do to make a difference to this overwhelmingly huge injustice? And um, I guess I looked at what was in my hand. What are my skills? What are my talents? What are my areas of influence? I worked at Sky Sports News for 12 years. Um, sport was a big part of my world, but by no means am I some professional athlete. Mm. And then an initial half marathon with a long story in the middle turned into sort of really researching, becoming so passionate about this injustice networking with sort of NGOs, finding out from local police what was going on. And I I wasn't just moved, but I was moved to action. And that turned into a little row across the Atlantic. A little row across the Atlantic. Amazing. Yeah, I like the way you just chucked that in at the end. (laughs) It was a small thing. I want to talk about that row, obviously, because it's absolutely extraordinary. But I kind of just want to pull you a little bit further back, if that's okay. So I I did my homework. Now, I have Uh-oh. always been a last-minute sort of guy. Same. Like, I still have those stress dreams that are based on real experiences of, of like, waking up the morning of an exam and just <laughs> cramming, like, the last same. bits of information. Maybe if I write it all down, it yeah. will be the same as what would happen if I've been studying it for the last six months. That's me. But on, your, on this occasion, and in your case, I have done a bit of research, so I'll I I read your book cover to cover, um, which I very much enjoyed, and I brought it in so you can sign it and write (laughs) a nice dedication to me. Um, I will. I listened to to podcasts in which you've spoken on and just really sort of done a a bit of an open source stalkery search on you. Yeah, this is scary. (laughs) And I I just think your story is quite remarkable beyond just the fact that, um, you know, you weren't an athlete. And as you've as you've declared, and and you did this rather remarkable feat of rowing across the Atlantic Ocean with a group of of um, four other women. Yeah, uh, I kind of think yeah, but for someone else, they might think okay, this is a middle class woman that has a great <laughs> network of individuals, and you know she's connected and she's a socialite and she has these things that, that she can <laughs> do that right. That's for her. But actually, mm. what I loved about reading your book because we've known each other about best part of a year maybe now yeah. I didn't know um, you know some of the stories you were very honest and vulnerable about in your story mm. uh, in your book about your childhood growing up uh, in Finland and just the personal issues you've experienced and mm. um, do you think that some of those things might have informed mm. where you are now in, in, yeah. in, in more a direct way than just having seen that that movie yeah I think you're really right actually Bryn I um, yeah I remember actually trying to get this row off the ground and there was this lady who um had rode the Atlantic a couple of times actually and she just kept believing in me and kept sort of cheering me on because there were just so many setbacks and challenges and and I remember when I sent her the manuscript actually to Row for Freedom my book Mm -hmm. and and she said to me Julie I thought you were this sort of um well-to-do girl from Chelsea like I just didn't Mm -hmm. realize and that your background was so um sort of messed up I suppose and and actually do you know I really unashamedly Bryn 
yeah, I didn't come from a perfect sort of background. My dad was a pastor actually of a church in Finland. We grew up in Lapland just up the road from Santa Claus, which was an amazing place to grow up. But it was actually there that my mum had my sister and I actually really quite struggled for money financially there. I don't really remember those days, but there was a lot of violence from my dad towards my mum. And then actually when we moved to the UK when I was about six and a half and my sister a couple of years older, that's more when I started to become aware of just the dysfunction, I suppose, of yeah. our family. My 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 dad, bless him, he even says, mum and dad are still together, but dad says, Julie, I just never quite got to grips with life in the UK. I mean, my dad was even in an orphanage, not to, mm. never knew his father. So I know the background of where a lot of his stuff comes from, but ultimately it's not right that there's violence. And mm. I, I thought domestic violence was kind of what happened to other people on, you know, but that was our reality. And I remember, you know, sometimes running to the phone box and calling the police. And um, and I guess as a result of my dad not working and my mum really holding the fort and providing, being the sort of the mum, the dad, the breadwinner, the everything, the pressure of that was so big. And then um, mm. I remember about Actually, that would have been eight, nine years ago when I was sort of stepping out to sort of in my naivety to say, yeah, I'm rowing the Atlantic. The very week my mum was suicidal, just that her business sort of failed and wasn't doing very well. And the pressure of money was so tough. And actually she was sectioned and in a psychiatric ward. And so I speak very vulnerably in the book. And I Mm. often say, you know, we impress with our strengths, but we connect through our vulnerabilities but actually with all sort of public victories there's always private battles and um the the battles were massive people see the sort of the glory of the row and these world records and you know championing freedom but actually it was it was horrendous i remember going to work at four in the morning um, at Sky, sitting in a psychiatric ward all afternoon, looking after my mum, then leading this sort of crew of girls. No idea, complete rookie, didn't know how to lead a team, didn't know how to row, didn't know how to fundraise, didn't know anything. But the passion for this injustice was so great that I suppose some of that childhood, some of that violence, some of that injustice in my family really propelled me into this journey of freedom that I've been on. So I certainly don't have it all together. I love to tell people that I don't have it all together because who does? And we're all works in progress. Um, And I just love that we can grow, we can uh, learn from our experiences. And yeah, you just find this fortitude, you find this resilience. And and actually, I think sitting there in a psychiatric ward with my mum for the months leading up to the row um, prepared me for what came next on the ocean and actually made me stronger for it. And it is the tough stuff. It is only going through those insurmountable waves of life that we find our true character, the ego gets stripped away, the, um, you know, the rough edges of that we all have get stripped away. And I love that. And I don't want the easy sort of wide open space. I want that narrow road, the tough road. And I say that, you know, with trepidation, actually, because I know that that sort of narrow road is the harder road. But I want that. I want that sort of... Um, the tough stuff weirdly because I know that's where the good stuff is formed in us yeah yeah I think one of the things I wanted to talk about uh, with this series of podcasts in terms of justice is 
not just exclusively the issues of of modern day slavery yeah. and human trafficking, but try and just broaden our perspective of what we associate with with justice. And I know there's a lot yeah. of, I don't know, there's been a lot more media uh, sort of turn its attention to these issues, like certainly on Netflix and and television uh shows that they've talked about previous historical cases of injustice where someone i'm thinking of things like uh the guys in the park the the, the now they see us um yeah. show about these chaps that were uh, unlawfully detained for up to like 15 years uh, wow. and really terrible investigation took place in new york, new york back in the, the 80s and 90s and then like making a murderer more recently and uh serial is a is a podcast obviously that sort of engaged a lot of people but it was potentially the question of of a story of wrongful conviction and yeah. and i think uh, i i agree that issues of injustice so when something just isn't right yeah. you know like you talked about the violence that you experienced as a child when you sort of see something and you go yeah that's not okay yeah. you know that there's something about that 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 i i'm really uncomfortable with and yeah. there's there's a fear attached to it um, but I think it's just that that clarity of right and wrong, and 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 sadly there are many people that see wrong so often that wrong becomes normal. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but but I just wondered when I was reading this, I thought, oh, okay, it wasn't something that started ten years ago for, mm. for, for this woman. If, if 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 that's my interpretation, whether that's right or not, yeah, actually, it is. she yeah. experienced that, and and it wasn't just in your childhood, right? So you had not the best uh, experience in some relationships. Exactly. Yeah. That just sort of as you were speaking, I thought, gosh, we. You know, we become the cycle of what we know. And so that violence, that um, dysfunction was all that I knew that was comfortable. So rather than picking a good, kind, steady, um, you know, man or relationship, I, I picked these, you know, real sort of bad boys. And, and actually, the second one was violent. It was terrible. And I remember actually... Um, we we moved after I was at university in Sheffield moved near my mum and dad and I remember sometimes running home at like two in the morning with slap marks around my face because of the violence and it was just terrible so yeah you're really right Bryn I, I, I don't think I've pondered that massively that sort of connection actually with justice but you, you've hit the nail on the head there yeah it, it really did stem yeah. you know that's probably why this fire has burned up in me because uh, yeah all of that happened to me in those years and and I just think for all of us we all you know we of course want our children to have safe environments to grow up in but the fact is that so many do grow up in unjust homes right. or fatherless this is a fatherless generation yeah. I remember when those Manchester riots and I remember saying it happened and looting and um, everything broke out and I remember saying actually to one of the vicars in my church and I said to him what was that all about and he was actually it's a fatherless generation and I just thought that's so true like broken homes like it all stems um, to so much of the injustice in the world today. Yeah yeah I completely agree hmm. you mentioned picking bad boys. <clears throat> oh yeah. What is that about <laughs> as a 33 year old guy I do have to question, like, why, why, I don't think guys, and this might be a massively, like, sweeping generalisation, yeah. but I don't think in so many cases guys pick 
bad girls. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> there could be lots of people thinking, well, yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that one. But I, I don't think I go, oh, yeah, she looks like a criminal. She, she looks like she's going to give yeah, me a hard boys. time. Yeah, like, why is it that What's it's almost, almost glamorised? And, and actually, you know, some of our workers, um, some of our victim navigators at Justice and Care actually don't like the sort of um, portrayal of, say, take, and it almost sort of glamorises right. um, the sex industry. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I, I actually don't think that when the reality is that these are some of the most vulnerable people in, in when we talk about slavery, these are some of the most vulnerable people. They're not often these beautiful model-esque girls. They're actually very ordinary, very vulnerable, yes. maybe not that beautiful, actually, yes. who are exploited from one hellish situation to another. But I think, you know, going back to the bad boy or bad girl, you know, people, you know, that often stems from a childhood of abuse or um, or there's always some link, you mm. know. For me, it was just not having that steady father, which is why I picked, you know, unsteady relationships. It often, But when you become aware of it... Spent two years in therapy working out why why mm. I picked these bad guys, but I'm, I'm glad to say I've picked a good, kind man. Good, now. <laughs> this is great news. He is a good man. So there we go. There are a few of them out there. <clears throat> there are there are good, and there are good women out there too for you, Bryn. Absolutely, he is single, ladies. So yes, <laughs> let's not talk. About I'll bet them. I'll, I'll bet romantic them. Life. <laughs> Um, I want to know about Sky. So, yeah. so I'm going to presume that virtually everyone listening to this has heard of Sky or Sky I Sports. I hope so. But if they're not, you know, <laughs> if they grew up in another country, yes. um, talk to me about what Sky and what did you do there? Yeah, so Sky Sports, well, my first boyfriend played um, football professionally, so I sat there um, in the stands for many years. Don't call me a wag. I can see that's on the tip of your toe. But... Um, and really, because of him, I just fell in love with the beautiful game. I love football. I'm an Arsenal fan. Who? Do, you're uh, a Tottenham uh, fan, aren't uh, you? Uh, uh, Who do you? I can't call myself a oh. fan. When my my dad and my brother was Spurs crazy, and uh, I just sort of uh, go along with it. But um, sorry, not yeah, London rivals. No, it just doesn't doesn't really get me excited anymore. Oh Lots yeah, of you're, you prefer more like um, boxing and yeah. martial arts and yeah, different yeah. sports. Um, yeah, I'm a really selfish person. You know, I'm <laughs> so focused on my own life that I don't really give a huge amount of attention to other things like sport or following anybody in in that way, like bands or <laughs> yeah. But you do a lot for this world, so I'm not going to have you let you put yourself oh, down that's that very much. Kind. Actually, so, I'm not. I can't call myself a Spurs fan. Too many people who know me. Okay, would, good. Would say well, we could continue to be friends then. But I am an Arsenal fan, right? And, and they are the bad. Right? <laughs> we won at the weekend, so happy days. But yeah, so look, I just fell in love with sport. Um, well, football especially. I've always loved like athletics and grew up skiing. My dad's big Formula One guy, so um, grew up with sort of motorsport sport. But um, yeah, just fell in love with football. And that led to me um, doing a media with PR degree in Sheffield. And then that led to me working at Sky Sports News. And I was yeah. there for 12 and a half years, which is a, a long, long time these life, days. And I just yeah. left there lo about a year ago. And it was the most amazing time. I started there as a runner yeah. um, and worked on the production teams, then um, as an assistant director and various roles there. And I loved it. And it was one big sort of family. And it just didn't feel like work, rocking into work at four in the morning. Yeah, that was tough, actually. But that, I think, was great preparation for, for the row and what was to come. But 
but just they saw this light bulb come on in me just mm. this passion ignite this was the girl who was sort of at that time <clears throat> at the beginning of my time at sky i was sort of living with my second boyfriend and then when that all ended life just sort of took on a whole did a kind of 180 and I became so passionate about this and yeah. um, actually came back to my faith, that childhood faith that I sort of abandoned. I came back to my faith and I don't know, just the light bulb kind of came on in me. And um, and then, yeah, it just, they saw me unfold sort of this into this, you know, different person and um, not different person, but I guess all that potential and all those sort of dreams that you hope to fulfill in your life. I just never quite dreamed that I could live this yeah. sort of extraordinary life or give some big dreams a go. And um, and working at Sky Sports News and then doing Row for Freedom and sort of before that, just a half marathon, actually run for freedom and off the back of that, using sport to bring freedom. They, they came on the adventure with me. So they've been a big part of my life and one big sort of family really that's cool yeah you were really helpful at the start of we when we started blooper i was like right well we're going to be an online oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to be an online coffee company yeah who who can get us some like celebrity yeah. endorsement <laughs> and you were very kind to send uh send out we yeah, send out some lots stuff of, didn't we? Some lots of do you know pals. when you tell people about women men and children being exploited Nobody says no. Right. So everyone's like, of course we'll help you, Julia. What can we do? Yeah. You know, if it's use our social media or one of my friends at church was like, oh, Matthew Pinson's my next door neighbour. Would that help you? Well, yeah, it would. So, and good, actually, right? you know, and our vicar was like, Julia, come and meet Bear Grylls after a service one day. Would that help? Um, yeah, it would. So yeah. actually, it's just amazing. People are so kind. And so when you walked into our offices at Justice and Care and I heard all about Blue Bear Coffee, I just loved your story. I think you're amazing and what you're doing is incredible and so look we we it's just a joy to be a door opener for other people so yeah, yeah. anything we could do to help you of course we will well, i appreciate it i think it's one of those things isn't it it's the, when the cause is bigger than the individual yeah, you know totally. like we're just just pawns aren't we playing yeah. along and trying to do our bit totally. for something that's way bigger than us i just want to pause the interview with julia there to tell you a little bit about blue bear coffee company we at Blue Bear have produced this show in order to highlight some of the amazing work that's being done by people around the world to make this planet a safer, fairer and more just place to live in. But our main job is selling coffee. We sell a variety of speciality coffees online and through our wholesale partners and donate 100% of our net profits to organisations fighting human trafficking and caring for survivors. Organisations such as Justice and Care. If you love coffee, or justice, or ideally both, why not head across to our website at www.bluebearcoffee.com and order yourself something delicious. Now let's get back to Julia. You're finished, well you're, you're finished with Sky now, but yes. let's <laughs> not quite finish with that part of okay. your life so let's let's talk about this flipping <laughs> unbelievable thing you did uh what how long ago seven eight years ago now so that seven, was six? um it was 2011 12 so we left december 2011 and arrived january 21st 2012, 2012. Is, what, like seven, seven years, years ago yeah this christmas yeah that's amazing right 
Give it, give it to me. What? <laughs> you talked about going oh on a gosh. jog with your friends yeah. and having a conversation, doing a half friend. marathon, but that's a hell of a jump to go from yeah. that to, yeah. to rowing the, the Well, Atlantic it started Ocean. with me just like giving to a charity, like probably my 15, 20 quid a month right. and doing this half marathon. And then Steph, my best friend, um, I moved from Costa del Slough to South Ken. Um, and we nice were, move. yeah, a little upgrade. Went um, running one day, um, Steph and I, my best friend, and living together and her ex-boyfriend had rode the Atlantic and I think it was a bit like we were both newly single Julia you know he could row the Atlantic so why don't we row the Atlantic yeah. and and that's how it started and instantly I thought wow what okay this is crazy but what an extraordinary opportunity to retrace that transatlantic slave trade route and make a big noise about slavery so that's how it all started but Steph's father was just um just knew what went into this and just said over my dead body Steph are you doing this so she really begrudgingly had to pull out but by that point I was just hooked I just thought yeah this more people have gone to space or climbed Everest than have rode the Atlantic it's just crazy um and I remember going in to see our sort of um CEO of uh, Sky Sports and saying Andy I want to row the Atlantic and he just sort of laughed in my face and then he saw it all unfold and actually they were really supportive and um, anyway and then I put together um, sorry no after Steph pulled out then the race organisers said look we want to do this sort of record attempt with six girls um, the fastest women to row the Atlantic why don't you be part of that which would have been in a few months' time. Um, and then I went back to my boss and said, oh, gosh, I don't want to row the Atlantic next year. I want to row in a few months. So he was like, oh, my gosh, like, do you even know how to row yet? And I kind of did, but not quite, not not at all well. And then, anyway, that crew ended up falling apart. And, and actually, I pulled out of that crew because my mum had this big mental breakdown. And I thought, how can I go and try and do my bit for the world when my mum needs me? So I pulled out and then the race organisers said, look, it ended up all falling apart, that crew anyway. Why don't you go back to the original time, you know, later on in the year, you've got nearly a year to put together your own whole row for Freedom Crew. And, you know, sometimes when you can't work stuff out, I just feel like, um, yeah, everything's working together for the good behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. you know, and it ended up being bigger and better than I could have you know, me being one of six girls. So um, all raising awareness about different things, it wouldn't have had that big an impact. So then I put together this Row for Freedom crew from all over the world. Um, Only one of them, who was our skipper from America... Um, had uh, ocean or rowing experience, the other five of us complete rookies. Um, And, you know, just to raise 130k to get to the start line, um, you know, campaigning, we went to number 10 to um, see meet David Cameron and, you know, do as much press. For me, yes, that fundraising was important, but actually just telling the world about slavery. I remember going over to see my colleagues at Sky News saying, we need to, you know, do stories about slavery. And they would look at me blankly like, what are you going on about? Like, slavery was abolished 200 years ago by Wilberforce like what are you going on about people just didn't know about it yeah. and so so, the, so it was really important for me to make a big noise and great that you know we were gunning for these world records and it, well, fundraising but actually it was just wake up world this is not okay this is happening on our watch it's flourishing it's not in India and Southeast Asia, it's on our doorsteps, it's rife, and we'll wake up, we need to do something about it. So it was an amazing um, experience just to get to the start line. Yeah. I felt like 
get me on the boat for a rest because I'd gone through hell with the whole journey with mum and um, just the crew changes. And it was just like, get me on the boat for a rest. I'm exhausted. Got on the boat, no flipping rest. It was horrendous, Bryn. I mean, literally paralyzing, fear-filled first couple of weeks, just 50-foot waves, 15-meter waves the size of houses. I can see them in the in my mind's eye now, just building wow. up thunderous, mountainous sort of esque waves um debilitating seasickness um just throwing up so much but rowing two hours on two hours off continuously for as long as it was going to take you i mean a head screw and we all hit the proverbial sort of brick wall but when you've looked into the eyes of women men and children who have been raped 20 times a night or working in hot brick kilns and i met a girl who i talk about in the book called alejandra and do you know, it's just not okay that people are sold for sex, sold for other people's greed, for other people's benefit, forced criminality, organ harvesting, men in car washes, women in nail bars, um, young children in brothels, not on my watch. So mm. that the pain had purpose. And it's it was Alejandra, it was just this injustice. It was actually even just thinking of my mum and um, just what she had endured. And it made my pain pale into insignificance. And 3,000 miles was overwhelming, but you just break it down. Wow. If you're facing those insurmountable waves of life right now, whatever you might be going through, it's just, sometimes it's just ha- hanging on for dear life for, for that hour or that day. And, you know, I always say everyone's got an ocean you know, to cross. And that might be that people are struggling with mental health and they need to just get out of bed and just going for a walk. That is their ocean today. So whatever it is, do you know what? Step by step and um, all stroke by all stroke, like we got there. And yeah. it's, it's a, you know, marathon, not a sprint. And it, it just was a head screw, but just break it down step by step, stroke by stroke. And if you don't give up, you, you know, you will get to the other side. Flipping great. Yeah. <laughs> Does your LinkedIn profile read motivational speaker? But you know, I'm just so passionate. I just bring, I sat there, you know, helping these two other guys in their lives, living, helping champion their dreams. And that's great, but just didn't dream my own dreams. I'm too fed up of people having dreams, shoving them under the bed, collecting dust. You know what? Dare to get them out again or dare to dream. And there is so much to change in this world, whether it's fighting slavery, whether it's fighting poverty or, um, you know, the elderly. My mum is so ill and riddled with Parkinson's and, you know, she's, uh, yeah, who I took to Spain this last week just to give my mum, give my dad a week's break. And, you know, it just made me think, God, respect for these people who are carers and, you know, go and sit with elderly people and just chat about your life for an hour once mm. a week with them just just smile at people be kind i think this row gave me such perspective that don't sweat the small stuff like and love with abandon like just cherish the people who you love and there's always going to be tough times there's always going to be annoying people in our lives like five girls and a little boat oh we sacked our skipper two days before race day so six went to five look there's always challenges um and five girls of course it could be you know bitchy on the boat and but actually we were united for something bigger than ourselves and actually um 
it's not uncommon that people walk off the boat and don't ever want to speak to each other again. Right. But we were united for this injustice. And um, there's always going to be tough situations. And we had many. We were plagued with problems. But it is just through the tough stuff that you find the gold, the yeah. pure gold. I read about your or what happened on date, like one of the first days your lights, you lost your lights, yeah. your, your battery. Yeah, battery tester, battery tester broke. The water maker blew up on day 14. I mean, Brent, the... Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. Everything that One could of the break seats broke. broke One like, of the seats broke, so we had to oh. sit on the broken seat hand oh. pumping water for a month. I mean, it was a joke, yeah. but this is life, isn't it? You know. Yeah. But when you're in the ocean with no help, um, we didn't see another boat the whole way across, lost a third of our food. It was. It felt insurmountable. And I actually probably was the one who struggled the worst mentally. Yeah. And it was just that digging in, remembering why I started. And, you know, I did this to help other people. But what it did in me was probably profoundly bigger because I found somebody inside of me that I didn't know existed. There's more inside of all of us than we realize. And I don't want to live a comfortable life. Yes. You know, I don't. And and it's and I, I and then it was like after the road, Julia. What are you going to do next? Are you going to cycle around the world? And I did look at that. Oh, are you going to climb Everest? I would love to, mm. but actually. Um, I don't feel like I, I I know what goes into those. So it is tough. Like right. it's scary actually committing to do this big stuff because I know the the naivety with the row was a good thing because I didn't know what kind of went into it. I just went into it like a complete rookie. Yeah. Um, but actually now I know the cost of doing big things to change the world. And actually I feel like I'm now probably more effective um, I left my job at Sky Sports and then after a life-changing trip to India, seeing the work of Justice and Care, I've seen many people, um, many charities, all doing amazing things and all needed, but never have I seen such an end-to-end strategy, an all-out assault to end slavery like Justice and Care. And I came back wrecked for two weeks. I cried for two weeks at the injustice of some people in India having such opulence, such wealth. And then on the other side, like, I can't even describe the poverty. It was just so gut-wrenching and heart-wrecking that I, I, but I saw the quality of the work and I came back so excited and said, Mm. sign me up, I want in. And I feel like I'm amongst the world's leaders and thinkers in this field and we are smashing this um, injustice and there's a long way to go but I feel like I'm just part of something so much bigger now by being part of this incredible team. I love it. I love that when this massive experience in your life was over mm-hmm. that that you associated with raising awareness for these issues that wasn't like okay i'm done now no you know, i've done my good thing start. yeah i'm gonna go back i'll have some <laughs> nice photos up on the wall in my oh apartment my. and that's you know i've done my thing in life to mm. contribute to this issue i love that it, it was almost an inescapable uh, part of you that just grew so much so that, that you now work in it full time so yeah what do you do? What do you, how do you yeah. use your, your experiences with, with the row and with Sky and yeah. with your network in the media world? And how do you employ that to, yeah. to injustice and care? Yeah, I love that they came back. And I think I cried for two hours in my meeting with our chief exec. And 
one of the other members of our team and they said, this is the best meeting we've had. I think just seeing someone so affected by the work. and When you came back from India? Yeah, when I came back from India right. in 2017 and they said, Julia, and I said, look, I'm going to be straight up. I want in. I want to work for you. And they said, okay, Julia, pen your dream job. And I love people. I'm passionate about this injustice. I want to get other people excited about it about it I want other people to look at what's in their hand what can they do for freedom whether it's running or cycling or using coffee or jewelry or fashion or music or you know some people don't have time but they've got money or vice versa and it's just inspiring others to action and whether so I'm head of partnerships so whether that's engaging with corporates or churches or um, universities or schools I love going into schools and you know inspiring I hope younger people they are the next generation of abolitionists of change makers of um, you know leaders and actually just inspiring them that gosh if, if this little chick from Slough with a pretty screwed up past can do this then go and row the Pacific. Don't just stick with the Atlantic. Go and row your oceans of adventure and make a difference in the world, whether it's this or something else. So so we are an incredible team. I love that our work is local and global. We're operational. Um, we're in Bangladesh. We've been in India for the last 10 years. And I guess the unique for, thing for me was just seeing this um, charity or, or organisation. You know, I, I feel like we've got the sort of heart of a charity, but the mind of a business. And, mm. you know, we are going after these criminal networks. So, um, so dismantling the criminal networks, always working with government and local law enforcement. We don't do this you know no one NGO is ever going to like a silver bullet take out this injustice it's serious organized crime at the end of the day and so always working with government um local law enforcement to bring that a high level big uh, systemic change mm. and um, we're also right here in the UK uh, we're going to be operational Romania this year and so we've got these victim navigators which is a completely sort of unique role so we're embedded in the serious and organised crime units within the Surrey Kent Essex Police we've got all other forces uh, sort of crying out for these roles and we've got many more coming this year um, and a child victim navigator which I'm so excited about so we help the police with tactical advice. I love that the other month our Surrey navigator trained the road traffic police in Surrey and the very next day um, these some of these officers were able to identify a suspicious vehicle arrested two traffickers freed for Eastern European Amazing. women you know right on our doorstep and yeah, with the whole issue of county lines, which I know that you know about, that we're, and so many minors. So now we have a child victim uh, navigator starting in the autumn. So it's so exciting. And, you know, really seeing laws changed. Our chief exec, Christian Guy, was David Cameron's social justice advisor. And he's really the reason, one of the big reasons that we really have the Modern Slavery Act. And he just led the review of um, or one of the reviewers of that act and gave many recommendations to the government which they have taken and one is to have this international envoy um, to really work and link governments together to get a more sort of coherent um, approach. So it's amazing. We've we've rescued nearly 5,000 women, men and children and that's just been in the sort of first 10 years and I'm excited. I'm committed to justice and care for the next 10 years. Like I, I'm so excited at what we're doing and I really believe in our strategy and we're all about partnership and yeah, we're, we're making a difference one person at a time. But I love that it's, you know, stories from border guards intercepting girls being taken over to India, uh, training 
women garment factory workers on the shop floors telling them about the signs um, or repatriating victims. It's, you know, in Bangladesh or in India, we're going to see so much happening in Romania. Romania is actually a big source country um, for those, especially here in brought over to the UK. So just seeing what we're going to do there to prevent people being trafficked is going to be amazing. So local and global, I mean, I'm Oh, couldn't be more passionate about justice yeah, and care. That speaks very loudly through through the way you uh, <laughs> articulated that. It's funny, you know. <clears throat> I want to try and get away from statistics with this, yeah, thing because I can find that we yeah. can get lost in, uh, you know. Certainly, when you find out, oh, it was twenty six million, and now it's forty million. Yeah. what does that even mean? It's it's almost hard to fathom, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's unquantifiable, really. Yeah. But what I love is is the individual stories and, and yeah. the stories of actually this was a girl that was, was heading for a life of suffering or this was a, a man that was heading yeah. for a life of suffering and, and we intervened. Yeah. We were part of that chain somewhere that changed someone's life forever and yeah. and rather than almost you know hitting the bottom of a, of a waste paper basket, their life is now going to, to yeah. do all these all amazing things. I love hearing those stories. Yeah. They're so inspiring and, and, I, and I'd love to share some of those. So thanks yeah. for, for coming on. But if I was listening to this, and I imagine the people that are going to listen to this are, um, you know, people that are, are interested in in the justice world, yeah. whatever whatever that means to them. What can I do to get more involved? What yeah. would you suggest? You yeah. know, is there any advice you can give? Whether we can get more involved with justice and care, yeah. or or just with this issue? I've got this yeah. burning desire. I saw the film, or I had this experience, or I heard a podcast, and I wanna I wanna get involved. Yeah. I wanna be part of that. What what can I do? You can you can make a difference and. The fact is, yeah, I always say we can't all do everything, but we can all do our something. So what is your something? So I, I, I love saying, look, what, what's in your hand? So is it, is it food? Is it, you know, our friend is a curry chef, so he's mm. using curry to bring freedom. You could host a Spice for Life night, get your mates round, show a video, get them all to put some money in. Actually, the first thing I did was to give financially. And that is the holy grail for us. Those 15, 20 quids a month, five a month, um, makes such a difference to our work like don't underestimate the power of that so whether you could give to us 15 pounds helps us train border guards in Bangladesh to be able to intercept those girls being taken over the border so um, it really makes a difference so yeah what what could you do for freedom so uh, yeah like I said is it sport is it time is it money is it um you know using are you in the political world is it um yeah, what, what what are you passionate about? What is it, what's in your hand? And use that to bring freedom. For me, it was sport. For you, it's coffee. Um, for everyone, it's different. But just use that to bring freedom. And look at our website, justiceandcare.org. You can have a look on there, all the different ways to get involved. You can see what other people are doing um, to fundraise for us. We've got lots of campaigns. If you're a teacher, for instance, we've got a teacher who became so passionate about justice and care and she donated all her sort of... Um, presents that she would have got asked for the um, parents to give money instead and raise thousands for us and mm. we just see young people doing so many creative things for us so use that to bring freedom have a look on there or I hope that this has just inspired you that you know don't just listen to this and let it go I hope that it really does um, stir you to action and just think creatively and use your sphere of influence and don't underestimate even the power of social media. That was the first thing that I started doing was sharing articles and making a noise about it. And and it's incredible that, you know, people on the other side of the world say, oh, I read about this or read 
the book or heard something, you know, about mm-hmm. justice and care or the row and and it's inspired us to do this. So yeah, amazing. Dream it, do it. There was a vote in our race called dream it, do it. And, you know, so many people could dream dreams, but few people like you could have dreamed about blue pair, Bryn, you could have and just like thought, well, it's going to be a bit hard. And I know it's not easy. I see the, you know, blood, sweat and tears behind the scenes for you actually. And, um, but it's that passion that just keeps you going. You know that it's making a difference. And um, and so many people fail to sort of reach their full destiny and potential when the going gets tough. But, you know, keep going, keep rowing. Don't give up when the setbacks and challenges come. And when you make it to the other side, it's it's the most amazing feeling and you are changing people's lives. Like what could be more rewarding and satisfying? I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Julia, thank you. Woo! I feel so inspired. <laughs> You're a superstar. I think you are a fighter. You are a fighter from your childhood mm. to, to where you are now. And, and, and I love your passion. You're a beautiful spirit. And I appreciate you coming on and being our first guest. Um, Joy. I'm inspired. So thank you. Let's go enjoy thank the rest you, of Bray. our day. Woo-hoo. So that was it. Podcast number one in the bag. I hope you enjoyed it. I have to apologize for my somewhat unfiltered explanation of what were the unfortunate consequences of eating that slightly dodgy chicken burger the night before we recorded. Bit of an overshare, wasn't it? I think I'd probably put that down to nerves. Julia was great though, wasn't she? If you want to find out more about Julia, why not read her book? Row for Freedom. It's available on Amazon and probably some other places too. That's just where I bought it. I read it, I enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it. You can also find out more about the amazing work of Justice and Care at their website, www justiceandcare.org you can also find them on all the usual social media platforms too thank you to producer Matt for putting the show together for us thank you to Soho Radio for the use of their facilities if you like the show I know it's early days and you may wish to suspend your judgement until you've experienced a, a little more of us but if you feel ready could I ask you to like subscribe and if you're really kind give us a five star review on whichever platform you listen to us Anything less is actually not only unhelpful, but slightly offensive, and I have incredibly thin skin. This show was produced by Blue Bear Coffee Company. You can find out more about us at www.bluebearcoffee.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Blue Bear Coffee Co. Or you can tweet us at Blue Bear Coffee One, which is odd and incongruent with the other names. And that's all we're really on. I I don't do Snapchat because I don't understand it. Thanks for listening. Please hang on for another couple of weeks to listen to the next episode. See you then.